Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Lesbians Who Write. This week we're taking a little break, but we're not going to leave you in the lurch with no episode. No siree, we wouldn't do that. So what we're doing is we're going back and we are selecting some of the most popular episodes, the most downloaded of our podcasts. This week we're revisiting episode 33, which is all about self-doubt. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Lesbians Who Write. This week we're going to be talking about self-doubt. What is it and how do we deal with it? Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the Sparky, the Spunky and the Spiky, TB Markinson. Hello, TB. How are you today? Are you commenting on my hair that's a little bit <laughs> all over the place this morning? <laughs> it's not quite as spiky as it has been in other... Sometimes, dear listener, uh, TB runs a hand through her hair and it just like stays vertical. I'm always very impressed with that. But you are Sparky, Spunky and Spiky. Well, thank you. You seem like you're bundled up today. What's going on over in London? Well, in London, the weather has turned, turned to the Antarctic. Um, I might have over-egged the pudding this morning by walking out to the coffee shop in hat and gloves and a scarf. I was a bit hot by the time I got there. Apparently, according to the weather app, it's still like, you know, 15 degrees. Um, but I don't believe that. To me, it seems bloody cold. That's what it seems. But I am a very cold person. I've got Reynolds disease. Have you ever heard of that? I have heard of it. Are your hands like always really cold? Yeah, it's extremities. So nose, hands, toes, nipples. Oh, gosh. N- nipples. <laughs> Do you have little like little little muffs on your nipples? <laughs> it's a bit early in the day for that, that sort of chat, TV, frankly. Uh, <laughs> it's not what I expect from the prudish one. Maybe, maybe that's what I need for my nipples, eh? Nipple muffs. Maybe, but... Let's be honest, you haven't been shy about your nipple talk on this podcast. I mean... <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Maybe it's because also that I do centre them. I actually do centre them every single day now. I, I'm not, I, I practice what I preach, listeners. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back through the episodes and there's a great segment on nipple centering. It will change your life. Maybe, maybe that's why they're so, so cold, super cold this year. It's because they're just really pointing out now. Yeah. <laughs> You're just exposing yeah. them to the elements. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to buy little scarves for my nipples. It's not where I expected this episode to go, I've got to say. But, you know. <laughs> it went downhill pretty fast. <laughs> so what have you been up to this week? Oh, this week has been rather busy. Um, I am finally getting the paperback version of Reservations of the Heart into print. Um, there was a little snafu. <laughs> so I had to take care of the little snafu and then getting the um, proof copy from Amazon took longer than I was expecting. They Ever since they switched from CreateSpace to the KDP dashboard, there's been a little bit of a lag now with the proof copy. So hmm. um, hopefully what's, by the time this... What was the snafu? Apparently you have to tell your cover designer the exact amount of PDF pages and um, <laughs> I may have lowballed it. <laughs> <laughs> 
which means uh, that TB's spine of her book <laughs> probably covered about half her book. Is that right? It was, well, it didn't even get that far. Um, <laughs> did you just guess? When you up- <laughs> well, no, I, I did it, and then I made some changes because I didn't want the print to be too small, so I kind of pulled the wrong number. It, and it's one of those things when you upload it to KDP, like, they ask you to proof the files on the, on the computer, and then they immediately said, whoa, this isn't working out. You need to, you know, go back to the drawing board. And then I figured out what was the problem. Okay. And then I got a hold of my cover designer. Yep. It was just one of those things where it just, one of those things that took a bit longer than I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just one of the life lessons you learn. They really need the exact number of pages. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> You've only done about 20 books. I mean, how's a girl meant to know? <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is with um, A Shot at Love, I had another staff with that one because um, you guys use a different size. I do, I think it's like eight and a quarter. I, I can't remember the exact. But you guys did like eight by five. Is that is that ringing a bell? Mm-hmm. And when I was having the cover design for that, I just said, you know, my usual. And then I realized, and then I remembered it's not the usual <laughs> because you guys had a small, like a quarter inch difference. And again, that got kicked back to me. So um, this has not been the summer of excellent paperback skills. My paperback skills are very good. My audiobook skills, as we know, not so good. So everyone's got everyone's got their strengths. Everyone's got their weaknesses. Yeah, and then my other work project I'm doing is I got the Holiday Romance co-write with Miranda McLeod off to the editor, so I have a few weeks off from that, so I am diving back yep. into the next Lizzie story. I had to reread all the words I had written previously before. I had to put a hold on that and dive into the editing stage of the Holiday Romance, so I've reread the Lizzie. I'm going over my notes from, since it's a series, I kind of have to refresh myself on all what's happened in the series, because amazingly enough, I forget quite a bit of it. So later today, I will be writing new words on that series again. So that's kind of, it's a fun prospect. Um, And also it's kind of challenging because since it is, I think, book seven in the series, there's a lot I have to like wrap up. (laughs) So there's a lot of, like we were talking about, was it last week when we were talking about like the open boxes? Mm -hmm. I got to close a lot of lids. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a lot of slamming. Don't get your fingers trapped. (laughs) I took yesterday off. And uh, I was with a friend who needed some moral support for something. And then after after our what she needed moral support from, we went to a very nice lunch. And then we went and got pedicures because, you know, when you have a bad morning, you should do something nice for yourself. So that was my fun thing yesterday. Wow. And then I'll have to work this weekend, unfortunately. But that's just life. <laughs> pedicures. So your feet beautiful now. Yeah. Pedicures are kind of a new thing that I'm treating myself to. I mean, I've had them in the past, but I'm doing it on a more regular basis, which is weird because I really don't care about my feet. But I do think I'm getting to the age where I need to start taking better care of, like, my whole body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I've been doing pedicures. Very good. See, I go to the shopperdist three or four times a year, so, so that's almost a pedicure, isn't it? But a lot of people do always ask me. Uh, they're always shocked that I go to the shopdist because most people don't. Most people go when they've got something wrong with them. Uh, but I just go because I like to take care of my feet. Self-care. Mm. So what's been going on in your world? In my world. Well, made in London. Um, I did the vellum files yesterday. So it went from word to vellum yesterday and uh, it's gone off 
uploaded it to BookFunnel so that the ARC team can download it. So that's gone off to my ARC team manager. So the ARC team should be getting that today and tomorrow. So so that's exciting. All right. That's that's excellent news. Now you have to wait for the, the first word from your ARC team. Yes. Which is, are you, are you nervous? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said I'm all zen. I'm not. Um, you know, because I think as you experience with yours, I think I think this one's going to be a little bit more nervy because just purely because of the time between writing it and then publishing it. I don't know why that kind of makes you more nervous, but because it shouldn't particularly, but it does. Yeah, I think we had the same experience on this mm. with ROH. I had the same thing where I started it earlier this year, put it on the back burner and then pulled it back out this summer. And um, yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of lose the momentum mm. on it mm. and it's hard to reignite it. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't recommend that, <laughs> actually, for writers who are listening to this. Sometimes it's just not – you can't work a way around it. You have other projects or life interferes, so you do have to kind of work around these barriers. I've, I found out it's not the best method for me. I don't really like that process. No, and it's not the best method for me either. I mean, I know some writers have told me that that's what they do. They kind of write 20,000 words, put it down, pick up something else, and then go back to it when they feel inspired, and that works for them. So it just depends what kind of writer you are. Um, I think, despite uh, TB, you and I having polar opposite views on quite a lot of things, we seem to be quite similar writers. <laughs> yes, yes. The whole re revision episode, I was like, Wow, we do it almost exactly the same way. <laughs> so, and then I've spent this week kind of just uh, recovering. So I'm, I'm feeling better, so that's good. And just kind of getting the launch ready. So, uh, as you said, uh, when you when lead up to your launch, there's just a lot of stuff to do for it, isn't there? I've been ticking off. I've got a, a launch production checklist, and so I've been ticking those things off. So, uh, last week I... I did my uh, blurb and cover reveal, and then I did a first chapter reveal, so um, it's all ticking along. Ready for launch on October the 16th, which we're in that month now. And then, because I'm feeling a bit better, and um, I decided I'd go along to a, a meeting on Tuesday night, which was very fortuitous, because it meant I didn't stay in and watch Tottenham get annihilated by Bayern Munich, so that was good. Uh, but... <laughs> This meeting is the Alliance of Independent Authors meeting that goes happens once a month in London every month. Um, but I haven't been for the last few months because I had such a busy summer that I just I just couldn't make it. So, but I went along on Tuesday even though it was pouring with rain and I was umming and ahhing. Should I go? Should I go? But you know what? It's one of those times when I'm really glad I did, and I'm always glad I, I go to these meetings. And it's just another example of writing is a very solitary. Um, profession and it's really good just to get out there and just chat with other people who are other writers and know what you're know what you're talking about and know what you're going through and the discussion like we, we did a couple of blurb critiques one of the, the key discussion was on mailing lists and I really had a lot to contribute on that because you know I've got a 4,000 odd strong mailing list and I I consider it one of the one of my greatest assets in my publishing career and I love talking to the people on my mailing list so I had a lot to contribute and um, and I got four new sign-ups. <laughs> so what's not to love? <laughs> they were like, oh, that sounds brilliant. I want to sign up to your mailing list. Um, no, it was very sweet because a, a lot of people there already signed up to it. And they said, so when I came, even though I hadn't seen them for like three, four months, they were like, oh, how was your birthday? How was your holiday? I'm like, how do you know? Because I'm signed up to your mailing list. So, um, yeah, if you want to know what's going on in my life, just sign up to my mailing list. Although you probably know because you're listening to this. At my Alliance of Independent Authors 
this meeting, there's like there's a woman there who writes mermaid fantasy books. There's a bloke there who writes stuff about the Antarctic and has explored the Antarctic. There's a guy there who's just written a sci-fi book, and this is really interesting. He was well, I was talking because we go for a drink after the meeting as well, and so that's always nice networking or going for a drink, as I like to call it. Um, and I was chatting to him, and he was saying to me that he's writing his second book, but his first book took off after it was pirated and the word of mouth from the pirating actually boosted his sales and made it take off. So isn't that interesting? Because I'd never heard of that before. So there are upsides to pirating. Yeah, I I mean, I know that's one of the things that I see in um, a lot of the lesbic Facebook groups. A lot of people are like, oh, I just found my book on this pirating site. And, and I'm always like, please, please don't visit the pirated site because they're not safe for your laptop. And they're always like, we should, you know, riot against this and I'm like you're, you're never going to beat the pirates but I have I think it was Neil Gaiman who wrote something about pirated sites where he was all up in arms and he realized it was also boosting his sales as well mm. so he was like you know I don't I mean I don't want to put words in his mouth but he he was starting he was the articles about the upsides of pirated sites and and not everything is going to be on this pirated site so if they do like your work I mean, they could, you know, potentially figure out a way to actually visit a legitimate source mm-hmm. <laughs> to buy your book. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so I, I, whenever people, like, contact me and say, oh, your book's on this pirated site, I'm always just like, thanks for letting me know. I appreciate that. And then I just put it in that box where I just don't address it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. You can't shut down every pirate site, so don't worry about it. The people that go to pirated sites are very unlikely to come and buy your books. However, that's what I've always been told. That's been the the theory but as this guy sort of told me there was no other reason why his book started selling and it really did take off and start selling so that was interesting but my point is that I met authors from all different um, realms all different genres and it's just interesting and they're all at different stages of their journeys um, and so it was yeah it was a really good evening so just another example of get out there and meet people I know you've been doing that this year but get out there and meet people it is a good thing to do um, for your mental health but also it just it's sort of a, a bit of a boost just chatting with people who understand what you're what you're doing also this week <laughs> in fun times uh, even though I had to cancel quite a lot of things at the end of last week because I was too ill but I went to see Spurs on Saturday which was really good it was a really great uh, day out the game itself was a little bit of a trial as Tottenham games often are because we went down to 10 men after like half an hour and so then I had to watch it through my fingers as we clung on for dear life but the next day also um, Spurs ladies played um, at the West Ham Stadium so in front of 25,000 people and it was on telly so that was awesome because you know never in my wildest dreams as a young kid playing football did I think that women's um, women's soccer who am I American women's football would be on on telly but it was and it was Tottenham and we won 2-0 so go the ladies um and it did make me think again I must write a women's soccer romance oh you know <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of emails about that now <laughs> I get I get requests for that too since they're like you lived in London so you should be an expert on it now and I'm like I don't really think I can tackle that one <laughs> so I'm gonna leave it up to you <laughs> you know I, I have played football uh, from a young age and um I yeah I understand it I didn't play it to a professional level I know you'll all be surprised to learn um but I am a huge fan of it so yeah I should 
Yeah, I played soccer when I was a kid as well, because I lived in California, and in California you had to do two things. You had to play soccer, and you had to own a skateboard, and so I had both. It's been a long time since I played soccer, so I don't know. Mm. You want to probably focus on the soccer part too much, though, honestly. I mean, how do you write a scene about a a play in soccer without it becoming really repetitive? (laughs) Pass ball, kick ball, pass ball, kick ball. (laughs) Okay, you shouldn't write it. I've just I've just no. decided that I'm making an executive decision on your behalf. Don't write it. Don't write it. Well, then maybe you should, because that would be quite funny by the sounds of it. it was it a slapstick <laughs> soccer romance you were trying maybe. to Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I should, maybe I should just produce the audio where I just, like, say it. <laughs> so, um, comments. Let's get on to comments. I've got one comment, so I'm just going to... I'm going to give it to you first. Stephanie uh, wrote in and told me that she loves the podcast, especially our easy wit and banter TV. She also loves learning British things. And apparently I teach British things on this podcast. I didn't know that. I am the font of British knowledge, as we all know, apart from the national anthem. Now, somebody, it's a bad story because I can't quite remember it now, but somebody was saying to me this week about the national anthem and how they had to learn it. And um, it was quite sort of gory. And I thought, I actually don't think I know it. I think I maybe know the first verse. That's it. Do you know your national anthem? Did you have to sing it at school? We had to do, when we were younger, this was in the 80s, we had to do the, um, every morning we had to do the Pledge of Allegiance, right. which I had forgotten since elementary school. Um, I do know the national anthem, but I, I could never sing it. But I, as we discussed, like when it comes to music, I'm all I'm challenged no matter what. Okay. I'm the one who, if I have to remember a lyric of any song, I'm gonna butcher it completely. Okay. So, on behalf of of myself and everybody listening, we're glad that you you're not gonna sing it. So carry on. What <laughs> comments from your side? All right, we have five comments on my side. The first was an email to our lesbians who write email, and it's from Kimberly, and she was asking a question which I think we should delve into a bit more on an actual episode because I don't think it's going to be a quick quick answer, but I wanted to address it quickly so she knows we're not ignoring her. But if you can add it to our mm-hmm. topics to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, she commented, well, she was saying that we commented before you publish your first book, have your second book ready to go. And she wanted to know the average number of weeks it takes to crank out a full-length book. That's a hard one to answer because each project is different, obviously. Mm-hmm. and life is different, mm-hmm. so maybe, but we can maybe discuss. Yeah, we'll add it. Ballpark it, maybe. Yeah, we'll add it to our list of, uh, of things to do, but I, I would say probably my, my average speed is about three books a year. I'm not fast. I'm not slow. Yeah. God, I'm average. Yeah. I'm average, TB. There's nothing wrong with being average. <laughs> So our next commenter is from Max Ellendale. She is a lesbic uh, author. She asked on Twitter about lesbic podcasters, and Melissa Therese, another lesbic author, recommended ours, saying it's hilarious and very beneficial. And then she followed up saying we're the one and only lesbic podcast. So that was quite a compliment. So thank you very much, Melissa. Then Wendy Smith chimed in, and she said is the only one she listens to. So another feather. Wait, I'm going to get this wrong. It's not a feather in our bonnet, is it? What is the, what's the phrase? <laughs> I'm just going to let you squirm. <laughs> Go on, what is it? A feather in oh, what? A feather in what? <laughs> I don't know anymore. Cap? I have no idea. <laughs> so, and then um, this, this conversation, 
conversation on Twitter took a rather comical turn on Sunday, and it's kind of hard to do the play-by-play. It'll probably turn out to my soccer book. It was kind of a fun debate. We we all had fun. It was a Sunday afternoon. Um, you chimed in, I chimed in, and everyone was just kind of having a good old time. So that was fun times on Twitter. So Twitter's fun. not always scary and dangerous. Fun yeah. times. Come to Twitter and have fun with us. <laughs> And then we had a comment from Jude on episode 31. She says she lost a whole afternoon after planning to listen to one episode of ours and got wrapped up. And she's been meaning to drop you a line about a funny experience about Whitstable. Did you mention Whitstable on her podcast? You must have. No, uh, she did drop me a line. So thank you, Jude. Uh, but she she was talking about an email I sent out to my mailing list in January. So uh, it was a while ago. So she's been holding on to that. She has. Done it for a while. <laughs> and I, I'm just impressed that she remembered. So well done. <laughs> and then we had a comment from J.B. Marston, another lesbian author. Um, it was a compliment for me, saying I, I nailed the med school atmosphere in Reservations of the Heart. So thank you very much, J.B. My few years of working at a medical school paid off, apparently. Awesome. So let's get on to the topic of the day, which is self-doubt. How do you deal with it? Uh, TB. I'm going to ask you. Self-doubt. Ever had it? Probably not, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I'm the most confident person walking this planet and I don't struggle hitting that publish button for like two days. <laughs> and I've never had it either, so um, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to say on self-doubt, bye. <laughs> As I've been opening up more, not only on this podcast, but to my newsletter subscribers. Um, yeah, self-doubt is something I carry around quite a bit, especially when it comes to writing. How do I deal with it? I have actually started the past couple years really, really starting to deal with self-doubt, which is weird because I've been publishing for about six or seven years, and now I'm starting to actually take it on board and how to figure it out and how to work way around it. And one of the ways that I'm doing it is I'm actively recognizing it. Which is going to be weird because it seems like something like, you know, when you go hit the publish button and then you stop and you decide, oh, I'm going to go make a cup of tea and then you accidentally forget to hit the publish button. Um, That's self-doubt right there. And I'm starting to call myself out on it, which I think is important to know that I am sabotaging myself and I'm letting sometimes doubt get better of me. So just recognizing it, I think it's the first step. Isn't that what they say? The first step is admitting to yourself you have a problem. <laughs> it is true. You've only got another 11 to go. I'm starting to recognize it, and I'm starting to look back on some of my previous decisions, not just for writing, but like um, self-doubt, like jobs I didn't apply for because I didn't think I can handle, or like even silly things like girls I didn't ask out in my early 20s. <laughs> wow. This is going to be a really long episode, isn't it? <laughs> Should that be next week? All the girls we wish we'd asked out. That might be like a year's worth of podcast. <laughs> but it's just something, it's something we, a lot of us do on almost every level of our life. And so now, now one of the things, not only am I recognizing it, but I'm starting to open up about it. I'm starting to talk about it. I'm, I'm talking about it on this podcast. So I'm opening up to my subscribers. The writers I meet, it, the events I've been going to more when I've interacted more, like I'm reaching out to them. And it's good to know you're not alone in this because, like you said, it is a lonely career. We spend a lot of times, I spend a lot of time in my office locked up just with a laptop. So and it's good to know that you have people you can reach out to. And I think it's good to have a, 
the support team. Like I was describing in a recent episode when I was publishing ROH, I actually had to call an author friend <laughs> to be on the phone with me when I was doing the process because I was like, I can't hit the publish button. I can't hit it. And my friend was like, you can do it. You know, talk me through it. Like, you know, put the blurb section in, like, you know, but it's nice to have like someone you can reach out to, to be there for difficult moments. Mm-hmm. What about you? What What's your, do you, are you recognizing it more or you seem like you have a more methodical way of tackling things? Oh, do I? No, yours sounds very methodical. Do I give off that aura? of having you give off the um very cool calm and collected maybe it's just the british side of you (laughs) yeah probably is ask my wife (laughs) (laughs) oh am i talking to the wrong source you are yeah shall i go and get her and just put her on the podcast (laughs) she'll go she's a basket case no i think that self-doubt is something that it's you have to realize that it's part of the human condition really and so it's never gonna, it's always going to be there and it's never going to go away say for instance Tottenham <laughs> I went to see them on Saturday and as I said it was it was an exercise in in Tottenham doubt I suppose you could call it because you know I've I've supported them for years and I know that their habit is is collapsing but they didn't and so like they lulled me into a full sense of security and then on Tuesday they collapsed but anyway I don't know if that's a useful analogy or not I do think it's a useful analogy because it it goes to the whole roller coaster of self-doubt because you can sometimes you do conquer it and you succeed and other times you fall flat but the best part is just keep going yeah just keep going there you go I knew that Tottenham story I knew the hurt that I've experienced over the last five days had come in handy 7-2 though, 7-2. Anyway, let's not let's not dwell on 7-2. Yes, I don't think that you can overstate the power of keeping going and the power of starting again. Uh, those two things are very powerful. Because every time you hit publish, you're putting a bit of yourself out there. I think we've said this before, but it really takes courage to do it. And so it doesn't surprise me wholly that sometimes you have to get someone to talk you through the publish button because it is scary. Um, publishing, publishing anything puts you outside your comfort zone and so the highs can be very high but the lows can be very low and you have to work out how to deal with both of them okay Um, you know so don't dwell on the the highs like for instance TB's just had with her reservations of the heart book she launched it it did well readers are contacting you telling you they love it it marches up the charts you make money all these things are great you know you feel like what a time to be alive What, what a great book I've written the lows, maybe it's when your book doesn't do as well and, and it doesn't get read as much and you feel like your book is, maybe you think, oh my God, maybe it wasn't so as good as I think. Maybe I should, maybe I'm no good at this. Maybe I should give up. Self-doubt, don't let it sabotage you. This is when you have to also acknowledge those feelings, but then just think, okay, it's temporary. Just like the highs. Lows, highs, it's all temporary. Um, so the best way to deal with self-doubt, I'm in agreement with TB, this is like a miracle, two weeks running, right? Is not to dwell on it and not to let it flourish. Just keep going and keep writing and keep working and keep publishing. Because routine and just just basically you're distracting yourself from it. So don't get so subs- consumed with your highs, your lows or your self-doubts. Just just treat every day as a new one and just keep going. Yeah, I, I constantly remind myself, like you said, it is a roller coaster. You, you have the highs and lows. I constantly remind myself that I, I have goals. I strive for them. Sometimes I fail. And when you fail, it hurts. 
but those are the learning experiences. And so when you, if you do fail, come at it from a logical side, analyze it. Like maybe you just hit the market at the wrong time, or maybe the cover wasn't right or the blurb wasn't right. Learn from it. And then the next time you try, you've, you've given yourself more opportunities to succeed. So failure sucks, failure hurts, but it also is one of the things I've learned the most from. Definitely. And, you know, as a lot of these uh, self-help people say, and it's true, actually, um, that you either succeed or you learn. You don't succeed or fail. You succeed or learn. And it's true. Um, so I'll give you an example. My All I Want series, which I know that you love um, and a lot of people love. And um, it was a series, if you don't know, started at, it started at Christmas and it finished a year later. And it followed one couple through a year of their lives. And it started off with a novel and it finished with a novel. But the four installments in between, which was Valentine's, Spring, Summer and Autumn, were novellas. And that series is beloved of a lot of people. But it's also my cult classic series, which means it didn't really sell that many. The Christmas one did, uh, but as the series went on, it kind of dipped, it, it sort of went up and down. And I think writing those books, because I did it all over a ser series of a year, it actually did knock my confidence a little bit because I didn't seem to be moving forward in my readership. I wasn't growing it, you know what I mean? And the people who liked it, liked it. But but it, it was kind of deflating writing that series a little bit. Um, which is kind of weird because, as well, it was kind of a uh, comedy, a romantic comedy, the whole thing. So while I was writing it, and some of the instalments, I wasn't feeling that confident about writing it. But I had to put those feelings aside and try and infuse it with confidence and with comedy. But there are a lot of reasons, like you say, why that didn't work. OK, so it's one couple. Now, that's the romance logic is one couple doesn't work. You have to have different couples. Um, the covers are not to market and they're wrong and they need recovering. And, and the four books in the middle were novellas and novellas don't sell. So it's a whole cocktail of wrong right there. So there are so many reasons why it didn't flourish. However, three years on, actually, no, four years on from starting the series, they still sell. And readers still get in touch and say how much they love Tori and Holly. So it's a reminder as well that... When you launch, it's not the end of the story. And it doesn't mean that your books are bad or that you're a bad writer, even though you might think it at the time. All right, I have two comments on that. First, your phrase, cocktail of wrong. I think you should copyright it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or trademark it, or whatever it is you do with that. That is that is the perfect way of saying it. Because a cocktail, you put a bunch of ingredients in, and sometimes you taste it, and it tastes terrible, and other times it's wonderful. Um, so that's something that you could really work with. And your second comment, yes, when when authors launch a book and it doesn't hit the market just right, and then they start freaking out, I always tell them, don't give up on the book. Um, even though if your launch is kind of sputtering out of the gate, over time it will cover your costs. Like don't give up on it. Like don't I wouldn't I don't suggest like dumping a ton in marketing or advertising ads right at the start. But uh, over time, your your fans will they'll start delving into your backlist, and it will finally kind of you'll you'll get some readers from that. So, and I think this business is um, you create one reader at a time. It's one of those things where you just can't give up, but you can't also just go like headfirst into like one book and say this is the one book that's going to make my career, and I'm going to dump all my money into it. 
your your backlist is one of your most solid uh, things you can have in your author arsenal. And yeah. so, yeah, and absolutely. the more you keep putting in your backlist, the more foundation you are um, building. And a uh, case in point on <clears throat> Monday, I was um, looking at my stats recently, and I think on Monday or Tuesday, one of those, uh, I think somebody downloaded the entire series or two people. Or maybe it was all different people, but basically every single book in that series got downloaded um, twice in one day, which is quite unusual for that series. Like some of my books sell in double figures every day, like consistent. Uh, some of them sell, you know, five, six a day or something like that, um, you know, like old backlist. But these these books sometimes can go a week without with nobody buying them. So like to see <laughs> the whole series downloaded with like, oh, but, you know, the thing is, they do start, they do still sell and they weren't they were just part of the learning curve as well because you do learn a lot from that like you know I did learn a lot I wouldn't I wouldn't repeat those mistakes in in writing to market and covers to market and all those like I, it was a cocktail of wrong but um, I learned from it and you know you can fix things you can and it's one of those things where again like you fell down but you just kept going yeah and that's the way you succeed in not just the writing business I think in any business you're running or any part of your personal life as well just keep going yeah so um one one other thing I did uh to for mindset so like when you have self-doubt uh, and it, you ha you let it flourish and you let it cloud your mind then your mindset is not your mind's not in the right place to carry on writing and to be positive and to do all the things that that you need to do to make this a success uh so what i did i i kind of recognized it i kind of recognized that i that year had knocked my confidence a little bit and then when i carried on writing even when i had like a like a, a stellar breakout book which i did in um twice in a lifetime i was still doubting myself um and then it came to and after twice in a lifetime launch i thought you know what i i got really really bogged down with that one even though it was really successful so that, that there's no particular reason right but I, I decided that I'd hire a business coach to change my mindset so it wasn't cheap but it was the best money I've ever spent and over nine months this guy uh, he taught me to value what I do and that as long as I've made the best book I can then it's a success and I think I was getting caught up in the numbers obviously I still want to make money because this is my full-time job so I have to um, and I still want to have readers and I still want people to read it and review it. But it can't be you can't just define your success by those things because you'll go mad and you'll just keep chasing things. So you have to try and define it with something you can control. And the things you can control are the quality of your writing and what you're doing day to day and how you're setting yourself to write and what you're doing around the writing, like, you know, self-care and all that sort of thing, as well as marketing. Because you can't control sales and you can't control how many people read your book. And if you try to, then that is when madness sets in. <laughs> so I think that um, I actually, I like a bit like you, I suppose, I recognise that I needed to change my self-doubt over my launches was beginning to grind me down a couple of years ago and so I changed it and and I still keep that mindset to this day yeah one of the worst things you can do is chase the numbers because that just you just fall down the rabbit hole so quickly with number the number game but um kind of like what you did I also I've been reading a lot more articles and books about 
dealing with self-doubt and like a lot of like the business books and such that's a big portion of what the books are about is like believing in yourself I'm also I'm one of those people I love to read biographies of people and it's not just uh, biographies of authors I, I read biographies I'm a historian so I read a lot of um, history biographies and everything and I am more fascinated by the people who have had major success and then had a major failure and then were able to rebound I like the rebound story I think we all do, really. Mm-hmm. You like mm-hmm. to cheer for someone who's been at the very high and then this like crashed and burned and everyone in their life left them and then they had to like restart everything. And so I, I, I like to read these stories and they can be just from about anywhere. Um, and I find them very encouraging and I, I can learn a bit about that and then I can be like, all right, you know, if, if so-and-so was able to beat this, I think I can beat this as well. And so I like to do that. And another thing I've really tried doing over the past year is I like to have accountability. And one of the reasons um, I love this podcast is I'm accountable every week. We start off each episode, what have you been up to? What have you been doing in your writing life? And um, you have helped me quite a bit. Um, it's one of the things I didn't realize until after we started this podcast. But just checking in every week with you and doing this episode, and you do call me out on my bullshit quite a bit. If I'm like, oh, I don't know if people are going to like this. And then you were like, okay, back up. You know, you put the time in, you put the effort in. And it's one of those things where it helps. I mean, it's hard to call someone out and you do it delicately and nicely, but it also sinks in with me. Like after we get off the call, I'm like, well, maybe Claire's right about that. That really um, pained me to admit that, <laughs> listeners. But, <laughs> but it does help that this podcast is helping me and it's helping me realize some of the things I've been doing that I haven't really talked about or verbalized because, you know, again, it's a, a, a career you're basically alone in. But now that I'm talking about the whole craft and process, I'm starting to zero in on some of my own down, like the things I'm causing my own downfall. So it's helped quite a bit. Yeah, I think as well as starting this podcast to draw back the curtain, straight veil on the writer's life uh, and also just to encourage other writers and help other writers it's also helping us and that is that is the plain truth it's helping me as well so um, yeah and and you also keep me on track as well oh we're gonna cry and sort of hug each other virtually over the Skype thing <laughs> TB's like no no I'm not um, yeah <laughs> I, th- I think it's all part of imposter syndrome, though, isn't it? Self-doubt. It's like, you know, you're always thinking that someone's going to find you out to be a fraud. And the, the way to combat it is just to keep writing, keep st- keep producing and keep remembering why you're doing it. And just be present, be present and just have a routine and keep to that routine. Because if you stay focused and keep momentum, then you're not focused on things that you shouldn't be focused on. It sounds really simple, but it is really simple. (laughs) If you focus on the internal goals rather than the external goals, then normally what happens is the external goals follow. And sometimes they don't. It doesn't always happen like that. Um, But yeah, you have to pick yourself up, dodge yourself down, start all over again. It's that song again. We said it last week and we're saying it again. (laughs) Yeah, and it's one of those things where it can be simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to achieve. When I released Reservations of the Heart and you reached out to me, you were on holiday and you reached out to me and said, hey, your book's doing really well. And this is the one you were really nervous about. And then you recommended a podcast episode on the creative pen, um, Joanna Penn's um, episode. And there, she had a guest on that was about self-doubt. 
And so I listened to it this morning in preparation for today's episode. Well done. And yeah. And um see I do listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um I thought it was interesting because they were talking about how sometimes a simple fix is to redefine a word because Joanna Pan was saying I when you say the word discipline, because you're talking about how you just keep working, you just keep sticking to your routine. She's like, I hate the word discipline because it sounds like you're in the military and you're at boot camp. And it's just one of those words that kind of throws her off. Mm -hmm. And then her guest said, you know, change the word from discipline to devotion. And it's a simple twist. And then like when we were, um, and when she said it, it reminded me of something you said last week in our revision episode where you said, don't think of it as revision, think of it as reimagining. So can it be that simple where you just have to change your mindset, tweak it just a bit to get out the negative word in your head mm-hmm. and get out the more exciting word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we should have a podcast on how what we're going to re rename things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm with, I'm with Joanna when she <laughs> thinks of discipline because I used to walk through um, Hyde Park when I lived in London, I used to walk through Hyde Park every day and they had those like um, exercise classes, the, the military ones where it's like a former military person and the people had to wear like different colors. I'm like, oh, they're like the blue shirt and they're mm-hmm. just the beginners. And um, there was one time like the beginner group was running by me and I had my dog and this one guy just puked his guts out <laughs> and then just kept running. And I looked at my dog. I was like, I never want to join that group. <laughs> Maybe he was more devoted to the actual exercise than I was because I don't want to run until I pick my guts out. Mm-hmm. But it's something where I can use that that devotion and dedication in a different form because sometimes there are days where I'm at my desk where I do feel like I want to puke because I'm really stressed. <laughs> but I keep going, and that's the whole point. You just ha- What we keep saying is you just have to keep going no matter what. We should have called this podcast, shouldn't we? Just keep going. It's true though, because you know, if you if you look around, there are some authors that have that have been in this genre and then they're they're not here anymore, and there are some that have give, given up, um, some that have thought were given up, but but have come back. Um, but if you do just keep going, you're gonna kind of outlast quite a lot of people. So if you really want to make a go of this as a career, you just need to keep going. It sounds really simple. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it does sound really simple, but it seems so hard. <laughs> but when I was listening to that episode this morning, which I will drop the um, link in the show notes, but when I was listening to that episode, I was like, wow, it is kind of simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we just battle it so much. <laughs> So I'm 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 not going to go into this now, but I'll just say very quickly that I'm just you know preparing to launch Made in London, and I wrote thirty thousand words of that other book before I did this, and then I've reread that, and I'm stuck, and I'm just I don't know what to do. I'm stuck, and then so I I was saying this to my wife, and she said, well why don't you just write something else, like write a short story or write that? I said I don't know what to write. I just don't I just don't know what to write. I'm stuck. <laughs> And it's this self-doubt, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's, it's like I don't quite know what to do with that story and I don't quite know what other story to write and I'm just like, there's a, no, the shutters have come down. I'm stuck. So I'm just doing all my launchy stuff at the moment. But, you know, it's just a, it's just a self-doubt will never go away um, and it's just something that you, and it shows itself in different guises all the time. So if you think you've got it, you've got it down, then it will turn up with a different hat on. 
and a little wink. It can, and um, I had that that problem a few weeks ago when I was getting um the holiday romance ready for the editor. I got stuck, and um, what I did is um, <laughs> I was at the library. I was working at the library, and I was stuck. I couldn't think of a way around the scene, so I just went and grabbed a book I wanted to read off the shelf, and I sat there for like three hours and read a book. I found inspiration that way. Do I have to come to your library, though? You can. You can if you want. Spitfire. You know, I have, I I used to have a library card in London, and you have quite a few libraries. (laughs) You have a big one. I do. (laughs) The British Library. Yeah, Spitfire. (laughs) Okay, everyone. So um, I think... I think we've just about covered self-doubt. I think that was pretty, pretty well done. You know, just know that we both still suffer with self-doubt because we are alive and we are human. Uh, But it's just one of those things that you have to roll with and just try and go, ha ha, I have outwitted you today. So I'm the winner. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, Don't let the self-doubt beat you. Beat the self-doubt. Yes, with a stick, a pointy one. Our next live episode is going to be an Ask Us Anything. So please do get your questions in for that show. We can't do it without you. Ask us anything you like about writing, about craft, about our writing process, about our lives, about who our favourite actress is, about who we'd snob, marry, avoid. I don't know. Ask us a question. Get your questions in on the website. Uh, Email us, Facebook us, tweet us, Instagram me. And that one will be our next live episode. Next week, we're going to have a rerun episode one more time. And then it will be me and TB back for good. Until then, have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Listen in every week for more conversations on writing and lesbian fiction. And you can make sure you never miss an episode by signing up to our newsletter at lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more people to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.